Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are studying the Prophet Ezekiel, that's the Navi Yechezkel, chapter 44, that's Perak Mem Dalid. In this chapter, we are still in the uh, vision of Yechezkel, the vision of that the Prophet saw as God took him to the land of Israel on a virtual trip. But this time, Unlike in the beginning of the book when God was bringing him to the temple to see how depraved and how corrupt the worship in the temple had become, this time God was bringing him to see the third temple, the rebuilding of the third temple, to see its plans, to walk through its rooms, to enter its, um, to enter its um, chambers, and ultimately to encounter God himself and listen to the message that God himself has to give him in the virtual third temple this mystical experience we've been walking through chapter by chapter together and we continue that in chapter 44 in chapter 44 we're going to learn several very very important ideas things that are going to be different about this new temple that were not the case in the earlier ones so let's start with chapter 44 it's a little bit long but we'll, we should be able to make it through the whole thing today so then he, that is the angel, the angel of shining copper who is leading Ezekiel around in this vision, he then led me back to the outer gate of the Beit HaMikdash, of the temple, the gate which was facing easterly, the eastern direction, and the gate was closed, it was locked. And he said to me, I'm sorry, Adonai, and God said to me, Hashar Hazet, this gate Saguriyah shall remain locked. Lo Yipoteach, it shall not be opened v'ish lo and no man can come in through this gate. Ki Adonai Elohei Yisrael ba'vo, because it is only God who comes in and out of this gate v'haya Sagur, and it shall remain locked. The symbol and the idea of a locked gate, an entranceway for God alone, is the idea that we saw earlier in, in chapter 42, to separate between holy and profane. There is an area beyond which a human being cannot step, beyond which a human being cannot go. And that is what this is meant to represent. There is a place where we can never understand, where we can never walk. Now, however, in this room, where, uh, which this gate leads to, Someone can sit in that room. And who is that? A human being can. Who is that person? Etanasi. Literally, the Nasi is often translated as a prince. This Nasi is the king, the king Messiah, for that matter, the Mashiach, who is going to be the leader of the people at the time of the building of the third temple. However, very interestingly here, and this isn't the only place we had this a few times before, Yechezkel does not use the term Melech, king. Rather, he calls him a Nasi, and there's a reason why he calls him a Nasi. And I would like to turn your attention for a moment to the book of Numbers, Bamidbar, the first parak, where we are introduced to who is a Nasi. Who is, what is a Nasi? First of all, Nasi literally means, um, let us uplift, would be a translation of that. A Nasi is the one who uplifts the people and is uplifted by the people. It means both. When we see in, in Bamidbar, God asks the people to choose. And literally, many translate some of the terms, which we'll see in a moment, to elect 
a leader. The people themselves choose among themselves a leader to be the leader of each tribe. It says, but, and the language used in verse 2 there, by Midbar, uh, chapter 1, verse 2, et rosh kol Israel. I want you to count, but su'u also means to uplift all of the heads of the people of Israel. Uplift them, bring them up. And when you do that, <clears throat> you are going to put in charge a person in charge of each of each uh, tribe. And in verse 16, after listing the names of the ones that were chosen, it says, These are the people who were called upon by the community. In other words, the community called upon these people and chose them. There's the term nasi that we're referring to. They are the ones who have been uplifted over and the ones who are uplifting the matos avosam, the, the tribes of their families. Now, a nasi, therefore, is very different from a melech. And it's very important that Ezekiel points out to us that the king, the, the Mashiach, is going to be a nasi. He's going to be someone who uplifts us, and we cho choose him as our leader. Only that nasi will be allowed to sit in this special room, to eat bread, before God. And the way he goes in, is not in and out of the gate, but rather He can come in through the, the, the pathway of the vestibule and also go out in that same way. But the gate that's locked remains locked to symbolize that only God comes and goes through this doorway. Um, that concept of a nasi as opposed to a melech is, shows a, a, a different understanding of Yecheskel for what the Melech HaMashiach is. The Melech HaMashiach is not a king who can, unfortunately, the, uh, that type of position can lead one to haughtiness. It doesn't necessarily have to, but it can, and it certainly had in the history, as we saw before, the kings who had themselves buried in the temple to almost consider themselves deities. But a Nasi is one who is uplifted by the people, one who uplifts the people, one who leads the people and brings them back to God, and one who is chosen by the people to lead them. That is a very different concept. And according to Ezekiel, that is the concept of the Mashiach. And then he continued, um, uh, Ezekiel says in verse 4, through the northern gate, El Pnei to the front of the temple, and I saw the entire house of God, the temple was full of the honor of God. Here, finally, he sees completely God has totally returned to the entire building. And I fell on my face in awe of the awesome sight of the presence of God. And God said to me at this time, Ben Adam, human being, Sim I want you to pay attention. and I want you to see with your eyes. I want you to hear with your ears. Everything that I'm telling you now. I want you to listen to all of the rules that are pertain to this house of God. and all of its Torah. All of its teaching. I want you to pay close attention. To what can come into this house. And all that must not come in. That one way of understanding motza a, and I'm going to choose that understanding, is everything that may not come into the Beit Hamikdash. Um, uh, and 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 this is crucial because Ezekiel is laying out a different rule for the new temple. This one is going to be more restrictive. 
Only those that come with proper thoughts and, and have their heart with them in the proper way will be allowed in, which we're about to see. And this is what I want, what I want you to say, God tells Ezekiel, El Meri El Beit Yisrael, to those rebellious ones, those children of Israel. So says the Lord God, I've had enough of all of your abominations, you house of Israel. I've had enough of them. When you bring foreigners, now often this term foreigners is a reference to non-Jews, to Gentiles. But here, as we will see in the next several verses, it explicitly and clearly refers to Jews, to people of, of Israel, who are, as I'm about to read, you're uncircumcised of heart, the Arle Vosar, and uncircumcised of flesh. This doesn't mean that physically they're not circumcised. This means that their hearts are covered from seeing God. They don't open their hearts to allow God in. So you, when you, you strangers, those are the people that are considered strangers. No longer am I going to allow you to come into my temple to defile it. When you come to bring in sacrifices of fats and bloods, at the same time, when you are, when you are, breaking my promises, you're not keeping my laws, you're not keeping my Torah, you're just coming in here to bring the sacrifices. You people I'm not going to allow in. And you're doing that with all of your disgusting abominations. And you're not being careful with my, to take care of my holy things. Being careful meaning not being an Oralev, but taking into heart the true meaning of what you're doing and to whom and to why. And if you don't, I don't want you here. And um, instead, you went ahead and you appointed Arle Lev, you appointed Bnei Nechari, you appointed foreigners. And this doesn't mean literal foreigners. This means foreigners who refuse to, um, uh, people among you, but people who refuse to recognize the truth of God and to humble themselves before him. Let's continue in verse 9 where we continue to see this theme. So says the Lord God, call Ben Nechar, any foreigner, Erelev, who is an Erelev, who is uncircumcised in his heart, the Erel Basar, and in his flesh, meaning with his body he sins, and with his heart he doesn't have the proper intentions. Lo for any foreigner, Asher Betoch Bnei Israel, who is among the people of Israel. So here it explicitly states that this Ben Nechar is not referring to Gentiles. It's saying that among the Jewish people themselves, if they are an Erel Aver and Erel Basar, that is who the Ben Nechar is. In the future temple of Ezekiel, who is a Ben Nechar, who is a foreigner, it is the one who does not open his heart. It is the one who does not open his flesh and his body to serve God. However, there are those, and this is, I'm about to read verse 10, who um, also were corrupted, but they started off with good intentions. These are the leaders, the Lev Levim, the Levites, who started off with good intentions, but when they saw the people going in the wrong direction, instead of leading them back in the right direction, they went along with the people. They distanced themselves along with the people. They were not brave enough to do anything about it. 
those people, Kiyim Alevim, those Levites, verse 10, Asher that distanced themselves from me, B'ta'ot Yisrael, when the people of Israel, the people they were supposed to lead, mistakenly went on the wrong path, Asher when they went astray, and then they became responsible for their sins. Those Levites who were supposed to teach them the right thing didn't, and they went in the wrong direction. Because of that, I will let them do something in the future temple because they were kind of coerced and into the wrong direction, but they're still far from perfect. No longer will they actually do the service. They can serve the Beit HaMikdash. They can be in charge of taking care of the gates. And they could, you know, serve do the chores of the house, clean things, so on. They can do the slaughtering. Remember, the slaughtering itself is not considered part of the of the temple service, just the sacrificing on the on the altar. They can serve there. So they'll take a lower, lesser position. Because, in verse 12, Because they served them, in other words, they allowed the people of Israel to follow after their idol worship. And they became a stumbling block of sin for the people of Israel because instead of leading them in the right direction, they allowed the people to go off in the wrong direction. Therefore, I am going to raise my hand against them. So says the Lord God. And they will have to bear responsibility for their sin. And they will not come to be Kohanim, they will not come to be priests in front of me, and to bring close my holy objects, into the Holy of Holies. They will always bear their shame and the terrible things that they did. I will allow them to be guardians of the house for all that needs to be done to upkeep the house. However, verse 15, the priests of the tribe of Levi who are the children of Tzadok. And I, I'm interpreting children here, not necessarily literal children, but rather the ones that follow in the ways of Tzadok, that they stayed faithful, they kept guard on my holy place, even when the people were going in the wrong direction, they stood fast, Hema, staying fast in faith of all the public going in the wrong direction, but they were still willing to stand there and do the right thing. Hema, those people that had that kind of courage, they can come in front of me to serve me. They will stand before me to sacrifice the sacrifices in front of me, so says the Lord God. They will come to my holy place. This is verse 16. They will come to my table to serve me. And they will guard and keep my, 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 uh, my charge. And it will be when they come into the inner gates. They will dress in linen clothing. They will not wear wool while they work. When they work inside the gates of the inner gates in towards the house. They will have hats made out of linen cloth. And they will have pants made out of linen. They will not put belts on or gird themselves with anything that causes them to sweat. 
when they go out into the outer courtyard, to the outer courtyard, if when they go out to the nation, then they will take this the holy clothing off that they worship with, that they serve with. They will keep those clothing in the holy rooms. And they will dress into other clothes. And we discussed this in previous chapters. And they will thus not I'll literally mean make the people holy by carrying out their God, meaning treat the people as if they were holy when the people are not. Um, and th- then it lists a bunch of rules that, that Ezekiel applies to the priests for them to maintain this priestly lifestyle. These rules to some degree correspond with the rules that we have in the Torah regarding the rules of a Kohen, but they don't correspond 100%. Uh, this is, will not be the place for us to analyze why there are some differences. Uh, the general idea being that they will have to keep these rules in order to maintain a special holy lifestyle. But um, uh, the, the Gemara and the rabbis in various places deal with why there are some specific differences. They shall not shave their heads. They will not allow their hair to go grow wild, they should make sure that their hair is nicely kept and, and cut. A priest cannot drink any wine when they come to do the service. They should not take for themselves wives who have already been married prior. They should marry only women that have not been wed before from the children of Israel. But a woman who has been married prior to another priest, they could marry. The reasons behind these laws is not 100% clear, but one understands if they um, um, occasionally, it, if the... the this can act as as a protection against the koanim, against the priests being involved in the tremendous amount of promiscuity that the people had been involved in prior to the destruction of the temple, which we discussed um, many times on previous occasions. Just a slight maybe understanding of this particular rule, although it doesn't really 100% explain it, but I just wanted to kind of put that idea out there. And they should teach. Their, this is their job. They need to teach the people. Not just be holy themselves, but they need to go out and teach the people between what is holy and what is profane. What is pure, what is impure. They shall teach them. The Al-Riven, when there are arguments among the people, they should be people that are seen as just, righteous people who can judge others when there are problems. They should base it on my rules. And my Torah and my laws, all of my holidays, they should be careful to keep them. And they will keep my Shabbat, my Sabbath, holy. They shouldn't contaminate themselves to dead bodies. Only in particular situations when it's a family member, their father, their mother, their son, their daughter, their sister, their brother. If their sister is still in their family and hasn't already married into another family. And those cases when he does become uh, uh, um, impure by contact with the body, he should then count seven days in order to become 
tahar to become pure again. And when he comes back into the holy place, to the inner courtyard, to serve in the holy place, so then he brings a sin offering, so says the Lord God. And I will be their inheritance. In other words, they will not get land. They will not get land among the people, but rather I, God, I am their inheritance. They will eat the offerings that are brought on the on the altar. They will eat their portion from there. Whenever someone among the people brings something holy to the temple, that will be for the Khan and for the priests to eat. And the Bikurim, the first fruits, and all of the Truma, which is separated. Uh, produce that people are obligated to separate from the produce to give to the priest from all of the teruma that people separate will be for the priests and when one makes dough one takes a piece of dough which is called the chala that's given to the kohen to the priest so that you shall have a blessing in your home by taking these portions and supporting these leaders and supporting these righteous leaders that we're describing you will have your home blessed. And the priest shall never eat any animal which was not slaughtered properly, whether it's from a bird or from an animal. Interestingly, that rule, of course, applies to all Jews, but over here it's saying it especially applies to a priest in the temple. This is chapter 44. Thank you so much for studying chapter 44 together. Looking forward to studying chapter 45 and, of course, the rest of the book of Ezekiel together.